The views and opinions expressed on Neighbors Don't Knock are those of the host and the guests of the show and do not necessarily reflect the official policy, opinion, or position of the U.S. military or any government agency. Welcome to the podcast, Neighbors Don't Knock, the show where two neighbors drop by for conversations that are fun, relevant, and downright hilarious. Join them and special guests in their mission to talk about anything and everything and laugh about it no matter what. Now, here's your hosts, Brian Chambers and Philip Goffrey. Oh, we are back. We are back. Season three. Ching, ching, ching. It's crazy. Did I do that right? Did I, was that three chings? That was three chings. That was three chings. You, you did, you did, you <laughs> did, did just right. fine there. I yeah. did right there. I, I know you got to knock the rust <laughs> off, but well done. I'm so excited to be back. Season three. Hello to our loyal listeners and yeah, fans. Yeah, welcome back to the show, Brian. Welcome back to the house. Thank you, man. I, well, it's not like I haven't been coming by anyway. You know, you got to forgive me. My voice, it sounds like I got stung <laughs> by like 16 hornets on my vocal cords. I know. So what a way to launch the season. But was I'm that, trying, Was buddy. I I'm not supposed to leave that nest by that tree? Damn it, dude. I asked you, you know, if you're going to come in. I, it's just, I wanted to test to see if you needed the EpiPen, you know. <laughs> Trial by fire. I like it. I mean, that that is a way to do things. You just come in straight to the point, get it done if you have to get it done. I dig it. I know. Well, we are excited to be here. If you guys are just joining us for the first time ever, you have stumbled into the podcast, Neighbors Don't Knock. The podcast where neighbors such as ourselves get together for a drink and we just try to expand the neighborhood a little bit with a little bit of fun and some good banter. It's true. Brian stops by sometimes unannounced and we uh, often get to get joined by a great guest, which happens to be the case today. That's right. And we have a slew of fabulous guests coming this season. So you're going to want to make sure that you check out new episodes every Friday. So make sure you go subscribe, like and comment on right now just go do it right now we'll we'll, we'll wait should i give him a second uh, maybe you should all right. but all right okay so you've liked you've subscribed you've commented now you guys will get fresh episodes every friday but we do philip's right we have a great guest kicking off our season three episode one i'm so so proud to introduce our guest today he is an actual naval commander he is a pilot he's got the best call sign i have ever heard this gentleman has flown everything from the f-14 tomcat which is uh, obviously the most iconic plane for anyone who grew up in the 1980s or 1990s. He has moved on to fly the F-16 Fighting Falcon. He's gone on to every single variant of the F-A-18 Hornet and Super Hornet. He has done multiple tours in support of our country, including commanding operations for uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom, Enduring Freedom, Operation New Dawn. He has attended Top Gun. He's you, you say that to me like I know exactly, like I should know what that mission I'm is. I'm trying to pass it <laughs> off like I do too. I recognize some of the words. I think I'm selling it. it I really I, do. I'm, I believe you. I was totally, I was like, that sounds classified. Well, I tell you what, he also happens to be my cousin, so he has to endure me on family holidays. Our guest today is the great Mike Metro. Mike, thank you so much for joining the show. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Jens. It's uh, yeah, great to be here. Mike. Metro. How, let's just let I, I I can't even You're doing wait. It right out the I, gate. I gotta do it right out of the gate. I, right out I've of been the gate. waiting to ask you how why Metro? You definitely do not get to give yourself a call sign. Uh although I'm sure we'll get into it. I I've known several Air Force guys who I'm I'm pretty sure they gave themselves their own call <laughs> sign. Um anybody who shows up as 
laser and nitro, you know, the old American gladiator. <laughs> oh God, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they always show up. Um, but yeah, so Navy wise, we're, uh, especially in the, in the strike fighter community, um, it is definitely a rite of passage. So, you know, I, I got a call sign when I was, uh, going through advanced flight training and we're down in Kingsville, Texas, flying small, uh, you know, single engine jet trainers. Um, and I was actually mango, uh, for the majority of that time, uh, because some dude said, Hey, you know what, you look kind of like Chris Kattan. And so, uh, some guy likes one of the instructors stands up in the middle of the red room. Everybody's around is like, Oh, you, you're a mango. And like, and that was it. It was a done deal. I was, I was just mango. Um, and I, and I actually, you know, I finished that out. I get winged and I show up in Virginia beach, uh, to start flying the Tomcat. And through the whole time I was in the, we call the Tomcat the rag replacement air group. Now they call it the FRS or the fleet replacement squadron. I showed up there starting to learn how to, to fly the F-14 and someone tried to change my call sign to Frodo. And I was Frodo for maybe about a day. Uh, oh, someone so... thought I looked like Elijah Wood. Um, God, see, that would be something that yeah. I would get. That would be someone would give me that call <laughs> sign. It would be Frodo. All right. Well, not, fr- fr- you're a good looking guy, man. And wait, how tall are you? <laughs> you're like what? Like, uh, not that tall. Five eight. Yeah, not very well, tall. You're well, still, still taller than taller than me. How many pilots do you know that are like six six, dude? Merlin. Yeah, not not a lot of us. <laughs> you know, but I am I am going to come to your defense here a little bit. Your cousin's going to rise to your defense. You know, I don't think you look like Frodo or Chris Kattan. No, frankly, so. I, I agree. I absolutely agree. There's no way that was going to stick. Now, now Mango, the way you got your hair, I could totally see Mango sticking if it just. You, you know what I mean? I mean, you, like, you got a yeah. nice, well, you got a nice haircut going right now, but it's it, totally. It could have been a lot worse because the the potential follow up to you know, looking like Chris Kattan was Mr. Peepers from uh, Saturday Live. I don't remember that guy. That was a horrific character. So luckily it landed on Mango, uh, which was okay. Uh, oh, and they put, they, they put your, they put your call sign on, on your, on the side of your, your jet, right? Is that correct? Eventually. Yeah. Once you get to the fleet squadron, that's when you, you start getting your, your name painted on the side of a jet, um, which for me was a, a huge deal. Um, uh, I think for a lot of guys, it, it probably is, you know, you finally see your name, no kidding on the side of an airplane. Um, I can only imagine. I mean, you're talking about what, what, what is a ballpark ballpark? What is a F 18 F 18 super Hornet cost? Like 30, 30 million or something like that. Or is that maybe Uh, 20 years ago? Yeah. It's like, I remember seeing this. So I think they quote typically around 40 million. Um, but I remember we, we first took delivery of our, our first super Hornet. We were transitioning from, uh, Tomcats to super Hornets. There was like the bill of like all the stuff that it came with, and it was like just over eighty, I think it was. Um, so yeah, they're they're not cheap. That oh would be gosh. that'd be a cruel joke. You'd be like, uh, here you go, <laughs> pay for your own plane if you want to fly it. <laughs> See, but there's that there, there, there's there's Top Gun coming back to haunt, right? It never ever leaves, you know, with the whole you know <laughs> you know your ego is writing checks, your body can't cash, what the hell he says, your ass can't cash, right? It, you screw true. up. You see, you screw up just this much. Totally. You see, you see your name on the side of something that's between 30 and $80 million, and you go, oh, that's what Trump Towers feels like. <laughs> God. You know? Like, holy right, crap. Right. It's got to be unbelievable. Okay, so you were essentially called Mango for a while. How did that translate to Metro? So, you know, I stayed just learning how to fire the Tomcat, uh, and when I finally left that squadron and got to my first fleet squadron, it's basically like, all right, you, you're not allowed to keep that same call sign. Some guys do like Frodo. He's, he was Frodo forever. Um, that, that never changed. Typically you show up your fleet squadron 
you get a new call sign, then you do something stupid and that gives you your permanent call sign. Um, <laughs> so they, and a lot of them are something that you, you did and that's just, it sticks with you. So, so you're saying a bunch of these are born at a bar basically. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Well, I, yep. I did watch a video. I did watch your farewell tour video, the DVD. Philip let me, he let me borrow it. So I did, okay, get, yeah. I did get a chance to see some of the other guys you flew with. So in the not so kinder, gentler Navy, um, you know, the, the term metrosexual, you know, a, a male bred by the urbanness, you know, whatever it, so I'm the guy who showed up with a, like, uh, if Phil knows, you know, I, I went to college in, in Toronto for a while. So I got used to going out kind of in city clubs. And so I show up to Virginia beach. So I'm going to go out to a place called the duck Inn, which is gone now, unfortunately, but it is totally a beach. It's a beach bar. Like you roll up there, maybe with shoes, maybe with a shirt, you know, and I rolled up with square toed shoes, like the pants, the, you know, the, the pressed collared <laughs> shirt or whatever. And the guys looked at me for one second and we're like what's wrong with you were you metro and like that was it done um, <laughs> I, so wait, I, I kind you, of embraced that call sign did, you, did okay. you know did you know walking in that you were overdressed you did on purpose or were you completely clueless uh yeah i didn't quite realize how i just this is me i this is how i roll and uh rolled in and was like oh I probably don't need the square toe shoes. I probably don't need shoes at all. Um, Dude, I can really, it, mu it must be a family genetic thing. Yeah, because, I was like, about to say, I, I, I showed up at punk shows in a button down shirt and be like, what's up guys? <laughs> I, I show up here in t-shirts and a hat and, you know, Phillips in, you know, dress shoes and, you know, occasionally, I think, I don't even remember. Maybe it would, you might've had a blazer on during the early, like one of our first recording sessions that we did. But for a while, every recording session at least had, you had a button up. Or you, you, it's true. You, I actually you, think I did wear a sport coat our first. Did you? I want. I, I, I want to say yeah. you did, but I can't remember. That it's going. It's over a year <laughs> now. But but yeah, that totally makes sense. The the Goffrey gene is is connected there, and it makes more sense seeing your face because you're a very put together guy. Like you, <laughs> like look, the chiseled jawline. I swear, like I don't. I wouldn't mess with you. Mike's a good looking man. <laughs> Mike's a good looking man. There's no question about it. <laughs> so. But uh, I think actually, Mike, I think the way your hair goes back like that is a result of wearing the flight helmets just far too right, long. Right. I think it just, exactly. yeah, it just yeah. pulls it back. Do they it's call, like flies so fast, it just blows it, it back. Yeah. Yeah. Helmet helmet head? Whoosh. Is that like helmet head or helmet, oh, yeah. helmet oh, hair? Oh, yeah, for sure. What is this, space balls? <laughs> Sorry, I mean, Hel helmet <laughs> hair, I guess, is what it should be. <laughs> okay, so you've been, you man, you've had a very colorful uh, career. And you've gotten to travel around a little bit, but you are originally from Canada. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Born so born and raised um, yep. in Toronto, where you're at currently, yeah, so, or roundabout. So born in Winnipeg, so uh, Winterpeg, as it's often known. Uh, and then you know my folks moved to just outside of Toronto, so I, I grew up just outside of Toronto. Um, yeah, I spent the whole time there. Went to college there. Uh, but you know, the next question that always comes is, well, how are you in the U.S. military? Uh, it's, you know, my, my mom was American, so I had dual citizenship for a long time. And then at some point the Navy was like, mm, no, not anymore. You need to just like, go ahead and we don't just be America. We don't recognize that. <laughs> you, yeah. you can't do both. <laughs> yeah. It, so I'll tell you what's, what's hilarious is that when I was down in Kingsville, Texas, uh, I ended up having to, no kidding, sign a letter. Like they drafted up some formal letter and I, I still don't know to this day if they were just totally messing with me or not, but I, somewhere in my officer record, there's a letter, you know, formal thing that says, 
when the United States goes to war with Canada, I agree to fight for the United States. <laughs> no kidding. I think that's hilarious. When we go I love to, that. to right, war right. with Canada. So I'm like, yeah, okay, that's going to happen. So you are currently in Canada right now, correct? Is that where we're? Oh, no, no. No, mm-hmm. no, no. Where where are you? Are you allowed to disclose that information? Yeah, I'm, I'm in Virginia. So <laughs> yeah, like luckily, I've been bad. in Virginia for uh, how we got back to Virginia. So I, I bounced around it. I like to say that I'm bi-coastal. You know, it's the new Navy, so it's okay to say things like that. Um, we've been, <laughs> we were here in, in Virginia. We've been into uh, Lemoore, California. We were Fallon, Nevada. Uh, so we kind of bounced around a, a fair bit. But luckily, we've been back here, gosh, for eight eight years now. Well, how many, nice. how many places did you bounce around to? Because I, I did notice, you know, I was reading up on you and looking at your bio, and you were in Texas at one point and in Florida at one point, and you know, where did you kind of start your career? And then also, I just got to ask, did you always know you wanted to fly? Well, yeah. So I always knew I wanted to fly. I think, you know, there's, my mom actually brought this up uh, not that long ago. Uh, I think when I was five, I wanted to be Superman. Uh, and then once I realized that that wasn't really going to happen, then I figured the next best thing, I'll go be a fighter pilot. So, oh, so you're, like you're a DC guy. You're not a Marvel, <laughs> you're not a Marvel guy. Oh, well, right, right. I like we that. Are, you, we, change, you change we, laser eyes for big bullets we and were, wings. We right, were right. off to such a great start. And then he went DC. <laughs> But but you can't you can't hate on you can't hate on Superman. I was about to say, Superman's kind of untouchable. Yeah, okay, let's not you know. go untouchable. That's a whole. But that's a we're gonna open a whole different can of worms right there. It is incredible how dorky you're becoming. Like right, it's, it's unfolding in front of my eyes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Commander's talking. It's like I can I can feel it coming through the mic too. It's, it's totally. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm looking at Mike's face. He's going. Let's see what call sign would I have for Brian. You're like see, and he's he's going like Frodo. It makes sense. It totally makes sense. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you so you you knew you wanted to fly. It's always been something since what what age? Like 10, 11, 12? No, I I think like, you know, 6, 7 years old. Um you know, at some point we went to uh London, Ontario, had an air show and it, I was already thought it was kind of cool and definitely was hooked after seeing all the jets fly there. Um but took took a bit of a setback when the optometrist was like, "Oh yeah, you you can't see so good. So that whole pilot thing, that's not going to happen. Wall vision. Uh, yeah. And, and, and in, this, in the same breath did tell me that, well, you could be the guy who loads bags on here. You can do that. It's like, th- thanks a lot. Man. Oh, uh, you can be man. on the plane. Wow. Yeah, feel free to crush my dreams and yeah, then wow. keep me on down. Wow. Just watch out. The sun can mess with your depth perception. You might walk right <laughs> in the fuselage. Right. You know? It's like right. a teacher telling a kid is like, oh, you're not smart enough to be president. But you could be his assistant. I'm just like, really? Listen, without choosing sides, I can say for a fact we've had some not smart presidents over the years. That's true. I know. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. All right. Well, actually, I, actually, I, I, I take that back. I actually disagree with my own statement. I think they're all very smart. But um, they, very I'll, smart I'll people agree can to say dis- very, I'll agree very to disagree with things. you. That's true. Very mm-hmm. smart people can put their foot in their mouth. Let's That's that true. Way. All right. I'll agree with that. All right, so you are a, a six-year-old who has just been told you can't see, so you can't fly. Yeah, find a new. I, hobby, I think I was buddy. like <laughs> early teens, you know, and and so I, I, I did a lot of music stuff when I was in high school, and actually started going down the road of perhaps music would be the career, and um, you know, that was actually my dad at some point. He's like, dude, don't don't ever let anybody tell you you can't have your dream, and I was like, hmm, maybe there's something to that. I applied to a, an aviation program uh, at a college in Toronto. It was a great program because it was actually government funded. So we got all this flying uh, for free, you know, where somewhere else you'd have to pay 
out the butt to try to get what we we got. So uh, it was really competitive. You know, we started out with 600 folks applied, 300 took the entrance exams. They admitted 150 of us or something. And we we ended up graduating. You had 32 started in year two to be able to actually do the flying portion of the program. We only graduated, I think, 29 my year. From there, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go naval aviation. Um, ha- had to get a degree. Uh, so I ended up at uh, actually Embry-Riddle down at Daytona Beach for a year just to, so I had a U.S. Uh, accredited degree to get me into the into the Navy. What kind of aircraft did they have you in at that point? You're talking like single prop planes? Like sail, sail, sailplanes just... or right, le- right. like Learjets or, I mean. So I, I had, I started <laughs> flying when I was 17, um, you know, flying a little Cessna 150 single engine trainers. Um, and then, uh. And that's just because, like, that's just your your dad's like, I'm gonna get you flying lessons. We're gonna go up. We're gonna do this. Yep, kind of deal. Yeah, cool. exactly right. Yep. Uh, it took me a few years uh, to get it done because flying's not cheap. No I, I was I was about to ask. I mean, flying is. I love. I'm not scared of heights, and and I love, I love being up, and I and I I've always actually considered taking lessons because my dad was really big into aviation and he used to uh fly and but he never finished his i don't think i i'm i don't know if he finished his uh commercial license or one of his personal license or whatever that you know that where you can take up like the like the sailplanes or something mm-hmm. like that but i've always been interested in doing that what is the cost typically if someone wants to get into flying and, and i don't mean to derail but i mean i i'm just kind of curious about that because isn't that i know you wouldn't necessarily want to go fly philip but you think <laughs> but i mean i would i, I would think love my to. cousin's crazy <laughs> <laughs> i think you're crazy too by the way mike but at the same time i think it's awesome because i'm talking about flying not g-force flying so so flying you you got into flying you're taking lessons it's you know how often were you going up yeah, that, so that's the problem is you, you, you really want to go as frequently as you can to help build those habit patterns and that and that skill. Because every time, you know, if you go up and then, you know, I'm, I might not be able to go for two, three weeks, maybe a month in between lessons. So you, you've got to relearn a bunch of stuff because it it's certainly a perishable skill, um, just the, like building the muscle memory, just how, how to actually manipulate the controls of an airplane and understand what you're feeling in the airplane, what do you need to do, uh, at, you know, in certain situations. So you, you kind of, if you if you aren't able to consistently go, then you're still going to progress. It's just at a much slower rate. So, you know, you you want to be out there every weekend, you know, trying to get a lesson if you can. Um, you know, an, an Cessna 152, a Cessna 172, it's a typical training uh, aircraft is probably. I mean, nowadays they're probably 180 bucks an hour or something to rent oh, uh, wet with an instructor. Cheap. Yeah, sounds Ooh. about right. It's not cheap. Yeah, that's not cheap. Yeah, and Mike, so if Mike, you you, you me- got it. Tell me, I'm Go sorry, ahead. have these planes changed very much over the years, these like Cessnas, yeah. or are they all kind of like just from the 1960s, same design? So when I was learning to fly, yeah, they were you know, 1960, 1970 uh, airplanes. I mean, you can certainly fly newer airplanes, and what I think is drastically changed in them is the avionics capability. So uh, a lot all more, these lot more com- computers now, things, yeah, lot more just, things just like Yeah, just like you're flying around with like a full color digital moving map display that tells you exactly where you are, where you need to go. Um, I mean, I was doing my airline transport 
pilot certification stuff a, a couple of years ago, a twin engine airplane that just like one that I had flown before, but was so much more advanced as far as the autopilot, the avionics that were in it. Uh, it, it was fantastic. Um, but man, it's the, the more sophisticated the airplane becomes, the more you're just a manager of what's going on in the airplane. It's a lot less to, you know, stick and rudder as we kind of refer to it. Yeah. You know, I'll never that takes forget. the magic out of it a little bit. I feel a little bit, I, I mean, but when you get to be old, like me, when, when it's, it's easy <laughs> to like, they say hold over here and there's all this convoluted process and you just push like the hold button and the airplane <laughs> does it for you. You're like, sweet. Where's my coffee? You know, it, it's kind of nice. So you, you get your navel wings, right? Mm-hmm. And you choose. Is that the technical term? You just get your wings, or is it your navel? Wings? Get your wings, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. pretty much. Okay, right? so that's my understanding. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard get your wings and lose your wings because I've seen Top Gun a thousand times. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's not like it's not like when the captain hands you the little pin. No, no, no. I know it's not that. It's, it's like, not, uh, <laughs> but yes, it is because you get your wings. You get your wings. <laughs> they should still do that. Unfortunately, they're weapons now, so they can't. They can't really <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah no yeah. kidding. That, very dangerous. That little little pin could yeah. <laughs> could take the you entire. You never know. You might give somebody oh, a paper. Oh, jeez. Okay. Um. You got to choose the F-14 effectively, right? Like you kind of wanted that to be your yeah. direction. Yeah, I had watched, uh, you know, uh, hanging out with, uh, you know, I lived in a big house with a bunch of roommates in, in Kingsville, Texas. Uh, one of the guys, his dad was an old Tomcat pilot. So we had all this old Tomcat footage and we were watching it every, you know, every Friday, Saturday night, we'd go out to the bar, come home, throw on the the Tomcat videos and, and watch them and just be like, oh, that's so cool. Cool. Um, and, so at that and, point. I still say that's cool, and I had not even a pilot. At that point, the, the, the Tomcat, it was still pretty much like the hot rod sports car of aviation, right? In terms of fighter planes. We like to think so, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it's all it's all muscle, right? I mean, I see that thing, like, you can't help but see. It's like, it's all engine. It's it's just... It's very metro because it's, it's muscle, but it's very slender. It's long. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to talk about those issues uh, <laughs> at some point. We're, we're going to have to go down that road. I'm just, I'm just saying, I watched, I watched the video, uh, when that video, and I saw some of the maneuvers that were being made in those things. And the body itself is is much. It looks a lot, especially when the wings are in. It looks a lot it's more. It's a Dorito. Yeah. yeah, it looks a lot more thin and and slick than some of the the uh, the jets currently that that you see flying. Phil came to my wedding. Uh, we got married here in in Virginia, and uh, so we had a, a lot of the family came down. And and so one of the things that that I wanted to do was was take as much of the family and friends and stuff that were from out of town and bring them on the Navy base and like, hey, here, just check this out, right? And so we're in the hangar, we're, we're checking things out. And, and, uh, we had, my squadron had just transitioned from the F-14 to the F-18 Super Hornet. And, uh, our brand new jet was in there. I'm she has the latest and greatest and stuff. And, and Phil comes up to me, kind of saunters up. I was up, man. And he's like, yeah, I mean, that's cool. And that's the latest. That, that's pretty neat, man. He's like, but that pointing to the Tomcat that was still in the, in the hangar, he's like, that looks like a fighter jet. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, bit, nope, no argument, man. You, you can't argue with that. So I'll, I'll never, ever forget that moment, Mike. Thank you so much for, for doing that for us because it was so cool. Um, what year was that? That was 06. It was 06. Okay. Yeah. So, so here I am. I'm 26 years old. Unlike people that are uh, already very successful naval pilots, most of us civvy 26 years old are, are still like clueless jackasses wandering around trying to figure out if we made the right career move. <laughs> I, I stumble out into this into this hangar 
effectively they they were kind of uh, tearing down the F-14s, right? They were getting rid of all the stuff. They were mm -hmm. preparing to, I guess, shred most of it, right? I assume they decommissioned it and, and break it yeah, down. Yeah, we, and... we actually did cut a bunch of them up uh, oh, right that, there on the that base. That makes me like, cry. We can see it that makes me it was cry awful. a little bit. Oh, it's horrible. It was awful. That's um, like that's like cutting up your car like right in front of you well, forever, it, forever, just like. But oh. it, but it makes a lot of sense, right? Because you got serious military tech. It's evolved. Well, for a you, long, yeah, long you don't time. want it to go into the wrong hands right. or anything. Yeah, I and, and the F-14As are still lost in Iran. Yeah, they have some still. Yeah, yeah, somewhere allegedly, right? Who knows? They're they're probably rusted in the bottom of a bunker somewhere, but they're there. So I totally understand the idea of having to chop this stuff up and and all that jazz. But I I can I can imagine how heartbreaking it is to see such an iconic part of U.S. military going away, let alone part of your life. But Brian, I'll tell you what, man, Mike is giving us this tour, and there's these guys are saying hi, it's so cool. It's like this ultra-exclusive backstage pass kind of experience. And I'm looking at the F-18. Oh, I'd be geeking out. I'd be I, geeking I'm, out. I'm pretty sure you quoted me, because I'm pretty sure that's exactly what I said, was that's cool, mm -hmm. but that is awesome. <laughs> that's so, then, that is so yeah. you. <laughs> and then I'm just, I'm just leaning on this rack of, of metal tubes to my right as I'm listening and stuff, and Mike is telling <laughs> stories to other people and answering questions. Like what, active bombs yeah, or missiles Mike, or something? Mike looks over and goes, those are active missiles. Yo, I'm like, what? <laughs> like, wait, wait, wait. He goes, well, they're not armed or anything, but <laughs> those are missiles. I'm like... Oh, I'm gonna step away now from the rack of missiles, <laughs> which obviously I, I like, you can't I like do how any you, harm. I, but it was just so. I like how you just told him, just like those are, and you were just like, oh, like like if you nudged it or something, like it would go off. He, he totally meant to scare the shit out of me for effect, right? And it, it was, uh, <laughs> but I'll, I'll never forget that man. That was like, oh, those are actual things that we never want to have to use. Okay, I'm gonna just walk away from the rack. One thing about that that I'll also never forget is that your your friends and, and your, um, I don't know, yeah, comrade, comrades yeah. in mm -hmm. arms is a com bad way to put it. Comrades? Right? <laughs> it's a bad way You've to put it. You've been hanging out with too yeah. many Russians. But you're, 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 exactly, right? Your fellow, it's like he married one or something. Yeah, exactly. yeah I know. The, Guilty as charged. Comrades. <laughs> um, I can't no, your, fellow, your fellow naval pilots are there. Your friends are there. And they're going to stand up with you at your wedding. And they're there to, to see you off. And it was wonderful. But one of the things that just blew my wig, dude, it was <laughs> Top Gun quotes nonstop. I mean, nonstop. My brother Rob and I are going, these guys actually fly these planes. They're quoting Top Gun every 10 minutes. You know, it we, was so funny. We should ask your dad if he quotes Days of Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm going to wrap my dad out. And dad, if you're listening to this episode, I apologize. I can guarantee you he does not quote Days of Thunder. Okay. But All there's right. a scene in that movie where the manager is talking to the car. Yeah. Right? Like kind of putting it to bed the night before the big race. No, it's, it's, it's Robert Duvall. He's like, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's where the engine leaks and they have to replace it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, was oh, I, I know the movie. <laughs> I was watching that years after it came out with my dad. My dad this is so ridiculous. This movie's stupid. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, the guy's talking to his car. That's ridiculous. And my dad gets all quiet and he goes, well, that's not quite that crazy. <laughs> was, and Mike knows my dad. To picture him like having a little just talking to the car, yeah, a little pep talk with his car is hilarious. Well, and and for our listeners that have never heard our show before, uh, Philip's dad is a professional race car driver, so that may have was or was, was. still racing, no, not professionally. I, I well, that's okay. I still call him a professional driver, though, because even when he gets in the car, even if it's doing laps, it's still someone who knows what he's doing behind the wheel. But anyway, you know, Mike, on, on the um, flying and racing and how they kind of relate, 
you know, usually you get somebody in, in, in the race car for the first time that's never experienced it, and they're very disoriented, very kind of trying to find their bearings. They can't get used to the way the car G's around corners and things like that. They can't get used to the tires squealing. It's very traumatic, right? Mm -hmm. It's sensory pilot, overload. Yeah, exactly, right? Pilot gets in. He never once had any question to trust my dad what he's doing, the car, what it could do. That wasn't the question. The question just was, could he recreate exactly what he was seeing my father doing? And I wonder about flying from that. Is that a lot of what flying is? Is it very sort of just, you know, A leads to B, B leads to C, et cetera, and you just kind of go through the motions? Or is it... Um, well, and, and, and kind of along that line, if I imagine that fighter jets are a completely different ball game from commercial jets, right? So does it translate kind of the same way as Philip's saying? Is it a feeling or is it, do you have to treat them completely separate? So, it, uh, yes, uh, I guess is the answer. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's like, I just fly. The, I just fly like the, the thing. No, no, no. So it, it those is 10 questions in one word. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Um, so the, the standard top gun answer is it depends. Right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it, that's, that is a Navy fighter aviation wide joke for sure. Um, although it is hundred percent true. <laughs> um, yeah. So fly, it's, it's interesting to hold the flying and, and car comparison. So, you know, I've, I've got a little bit of track time plus obviously having flying the pointy nose airplanes. There's a lot of similarities there. Um, you know, driving around the track, you're looking, you know, you're, you're trying to hit certain speeds. You got to hit the apex, just right. You're breaking points. You've got all these checkpoints and stuff you try to hit. And, and I, it seemed a lot to me, it was very similar to how you fly the jet when you're landing at the ship in the daytime. Cause we have a very specific pattern, specific altitudes and airspeeds and checkpoints and wickets that you're trying to hit all the way around the pattern. Um, plus it's all the monkey skills, right? The, the, the stick and rudder and throttle and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of similarities to aggressively driving a vehicle uh, compared to um, like flying a fighter aircraft. I, I found anyway. Now it's certainly different than, you know, an airliner or general aviation, you know, the, the smaller Cessna 150s, that kind of thing. Well, I guess um, it's like an 18 wheeler versus a race right, car right. at that point. <laughs> and and they're, they're certainly different and you have to respect the, the differences. Um, but yeah, I, I think, driving cars fast aggressively like on a track is there's a lot of similarities there that carry over to you know fighter aviation and it it's sensory overload for sure so the first time you're in a fighter jet you're like oh whoa okay like we go in the simulator to try to get all those procedures down right there's certain procedures you have to know emergency procedures startup procedures just everything there's in a lot of cases there's a very specific process for that and you do all that in the simulator to build up that knowledge that kind of that muscle memory and then you go and you get in the jet but still then it's like wow you can't really simulate the feeling of the afterburners when you kick them in for the first time you, when you've you've never flown a jet that has those uh and same you know with a with driving a car quickly on a track like yeah you, everybody's driven a car but it's a whole different ball of wax when you've got a car that can corner significantly more uh with you know greater acceleration than your standard street car can and um and I'm sure you've been out there too, Phil. You know how much more aggressive driving on the track is as compared oh, yeah. to driving on the street, even aggressively driving on the street. But they're they're totally different ball games. Yeah, I, there's I, just not very much. There's not very much set and forget. It's more. Um, it's mm -hmm. more next action, next action, next action. Right. Mm -hmm. I guess based on that, we were just talking about that. I, I do. I, I'm kind of curious when, 
when you are flying or, you know, what is the most, I don't want to say the most significant or the most stressful part of flying? Is it takeoff or? So it depends. I'll give you that answer. Um, but by and large, there's always, yeah, I know, I know. So <laughs> by and large for naval aviators, like jet guys, the, the, the prop guys that land on the ship or landing aboard the ship is for sure the most stressful most challenging thing that we do there but you know that like aerial combat type stuff that we do that takes a lot of brain power there's a lot of muscle memory um there's a lot of stress on the body um but you know there there's always that study that gets quoted that way back when they they looked at the heart rates of naval aviators and they found that it was very low takeoff administrative even combat type stuff and the highest heart rates were observed when they were coming back aboard the ship uh, well, yeah, so you don't want to like land and you know f- drive right off the ship into the water. I mean, I, there's a lot of things you can crash into. I, in that, yeah, that yeah exactly. Yeah, like, I, have I you ever, having. Have you ever personally had an experience with a with like ship and choppy waters coming at it, landing night, daytime, things like that? So the carrier is really stable, right? Like they're huge. You could, right, most people yeah, don't have a feel of how huge these things are. Yeah, there. I mean, it's ninety thousand tons, right? The you know ninety thousand tons of diplomacy is kind of this the standard joke. Um, so you could have a destroyer or even a cruiser sitting next to you, same waters. They're bouncing all over the place, but the carrier is rock solid, steady. Like it, there are very few times that I've been on the carrier when that thing is rocking and rolling and moving. And and so you you can get things called like Dutch roll, which is kind of insidious, where it's actually kind of a it's a coupled pitching up and rolling at the same time and it just looks kind of weird and you might not really know what it is and you're trying to land it it's kind of a challenge but once you get more experience you understand what it is um but what really affects the carrier is those long period oscillations uh long period in the waves there and that will actually get that thing going up and down uh you know up, up and down the peaks and valleys there um uh, so you know we're middle of the pacific standard you know dark night cloud cover so you can't see anything there's no moon we're, I don't know, 800 miles away from Midway, which is the closest possible divert. And the, the boat is just rocking and rolling. And, and thankfully, I was at a Super Hornet, so I had a ton of gas. I was actually the tanker, so I was one of the last guys to come down and, and come aboard. And I think I went around four times before I finally got aboard. And it basically was you, you coming in, and just as I was crossing the ramps at the back of the boat, the end of the boat would just swing away from me. And, oh, and it would, I'd be like, why, why am I still flying? I should have landed. Uh, and oh, oh like, we're, hey, we're not, we're not hey, done. Oh. So, yeah. so as, oh, a, yeah. as a commander of the craft, is that your call? Is it your call to just go, nope, I'm going to come around again? You always reserve that, right? But I mean, at that point, it's nighttime. So I'm looking at the little box, right? That's a couple hundred feet long. That's the landing area. And then I've got the meatball or the lens, which is telling me where am I in relation to the ideal glide slope? And so you fly it and you're like, yep, I'm, I'm right on. I got a white ball that's right in, in line with the green lights. And that's what I want to see. And everything looks great. And then, you know, the snap of a fingers, boom, the boat swings away. And you're like, well, everything looked completely suitcased. Why am I still airborne? And, uh, you know, you touch onto the deck and away you go. And every time we land, we go to full throttle. That's yeah, the that process. Was my next, that was my next question because I'm, I'm, I'm geeky like this. So, so mm-hmm. I've been on a couple of very small commercial aircraft that were coming in for a landing in some pretty unexpected, really, really bad crosswinds. Mm-hmm. Looking back on it, this is like 90s timing, so they probably wouldn't allow them to land in today's world, but, you know, everyone learns as you go, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and in those moments, I remember very specifically that the, 
the pilots just absolutely planted the plane as hard as they freaking could. I mean, it was like, you know, not comfortable for passengers. I mean, really, sure. your spine's getting compressed, like just slamming the wheels down. I imagine carrier landing's got to be a lot like that, right? Like you're just, you got to just kind of crash it, like, oh, not crap, forgive, really, really No, bad, it's 100% a control um, crash. It's a it's a control crash for sure. Oh, okay, um, so good we, term. Yay, I win. All the money. So we, so we don't, there's no flaring, right? Like you don't, you come in on an airliner or pretty much every other airplane, you hold a specific glide slope. And then as you get close to the runway, you, you ease that off, you flare, you, you arrest that rate of descent. With Navy landing the ship, you do not do that. You take 600, 700 feet per minute rate of descent from 600 feet straight into the deck at, you know, 60 feet above the water. You smash it in the metal. So and then yes, you're full it's, throttle. Yeah. So the second you touch down, immediately you go full throttle. That and then so what so that fun. Oh man, it sounds it, like a blast. It can be, it can be fun actually. Um, you guys are uh, both nuts. Like, well, that doesn't sound like fun clear at all. weather, <laughs> daytime. I mean, it's actually pretty fun. I was uh, saying, it's it sounds like because, like Philip, let me ride with his dad, and he goes, "You like the only thing he told me is that like, you like roller coasters." I go, "Yeah." He's like, "Ah, oh, you're you're gonna be fine." And I had a blast. Like when your dad was I, I, now, granted, he wasn't going as fast as he possibly could because there's two people in the car, and Indeed. you know all the you know safety reasons and things like that but i i'm like let it rip you know i'm smiling from <laughs> ear to ear you know and and i you love gentlemen have a lot of trust i have trust issues so this is, uh... <laughs> I, I think i just it's the feeling that, that i love that feeling of of pushing and feeling my body you know at that at a level like that that i can experience something of that magnitude i, I think that's just amazing and the fact that when you fly man the view you get. I mean, it's why I love, that's why I had a blast skydiving. I mean, it was just the view you get is incredible. Oh, God. Chopping off a good airplane. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that I'm not a fan of. Yeah. Oh. Perfectly good airplane. I'm going to stay in it. Have you done it, Mike? Have you jumped off a plane? Nope. No. <laughs> See? He's like, nope. Good survival instinct. That's the family genetics right there. <laughs> that's where that comes in. But if he had to, I'm he would he could eject. Indeed. So dude, right. is, is it is it like the movies? I mean, you know, in Top Gun we see the scenes where they're cutting for the um, you know, the cord that's catching the plane, right? The the mm-hmm. Is, is the rushing it, gear, yeah. Yeah. So is it like that when you're full throttle? Are you really catching like some hook on a cable and just being oh, yeah. dragged to a stop? Yeah, hundred percent. It's uh, I mean, it, it's pretty abrupt because you know we're doing between one hundred and thirty and one hundred forty knots, so like one hundred fifty, one hundred sixty miles an hour ish. Dude, uh, and you, you land, and it, it's if you ever saw the, you, I probably pointed it out when you were you were down here, but it, it's been some time since then. Um, it's not like a like a like a hook that really grabs it. It's a lot more blunt and a lot more subdued. Um, but yeah, it's a whatever two and a half inch thick braided steel cable that goes across the deck and it grabs you there's all these arresting gear engines that are below the flight tech that slow that uh that acceleration down and stop you within a you know 100 feet or so dude so every time you land in that situation no matter what plane it's in e- even if it's a, the most fun like broad daylight super great landing there must be a bit of a feeling of like Oh, <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm back. Hey. Okay. I mean, does your and, wife and, ever get concerned when when you go and fly missions? Is she ever like nervous she's about? So being used up? to it now. Yeah, she she's just kind of used to it. Like, yeah, that's that's what he does. Like, okay, 
Um, I, I don't share a lot of the like, yeah, I had this crazy emergency <laughs> procedure today. You know, that's just. I was about to ask you, do you, you don't like yeah. go home and be like, uh, well, like oh, yeah. yeah, the warning yeah. light was going on. But yeah, and we, we put the fire out pretty quick. Yeah. Right. Gonna have to spray paint my name on a new plane. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, right. right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's funny. We had like a, a code word, you know, stuff would happen out on deployment or when we were underway on the ship and they shut down your comms right away. Like you can't email off the boat if something bad does happen. And, and invariably that gets back to home either via the news. Oh, there's an incident on board USS Neverdock, you know, this happened and, um, or, or they find out through the, the wives club network or something. And so I, I would try as best I could that if something happened on the, uh, on the carrier, I would send her a quick email and all it would say is hi. Uh, and that way she knew like, okay, oh, cool. something's happened. It didn't have anything to do with him though. So is, that, is that common uh, practice amongst your friends to, to kind of reach out to their wives, husbands, I, partners? Some form, right? Because you, you can't share things over e email. Like we right. can't even say where we're going to be in port. Like, hey, you want to come fly over here and, and meet us while we're on a deployment? And that can be done. We're going to be in you know this port at this time frame. Like you, you can't share that. So we have all these code words. Hey, we'll be in apples uh in you know 10 days after your birthday like you have this code oh, language that you have to come up with so you guys so you and your wife is it is it military standard at that point or is this something that you and your wife have worked out yeah it, it's it's kind of all between you and and your your spouse um sometimes the squadron will come up with like here these are the port opportunities like it could be you know whatever in turkey or it could be Naples, Italy or something, and they'll have their own, and everybody knows that's the code. There's a code name for those ports, but otherwise, um, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you just, crazy. you just can't share that stuff because it's crazy. You can't tell where the carrier is going to be, you know, two weeks from now. Right. From now, meet, meet me at whiskey uh, after your birthday. <laughs> okay, right. So, so tell us this. I know we can't ask too many questions to get deep into the, the technicalities of it all and how it works, but, but we're going to ask them anyway, but <laughs> we might ask them anyway. <laughs> T tell us this are, are, are you have you been in situations where you've been uh deployed or or called into a situation if you're if you're local to where it might be where they do not tell you until the last minute what's going on like have you been you know you guys got to be here at this time and just come and then all of a sudden it's okay here's what we're doing next has that ever happened or has it been more of a kind you, of advance? You get, so you might get a variation of that, right? Hey, we need you guys to be in this area and you're going to talk to this guy. They're going to have some tasking for you to do. Um, and, and, and things can change a lot of times, you know, like a, a lot of what we did uh, on our deployments is we're flying uh, overhead and there's dudes on the ground and we're basically just overwatch for them in case stuff happens. Uh, and that, so that, you, that is like supporting Marines and things like that. Like you're everybody, yeah. it's like big brother, yep. big brother watching yeah, Marines, over. army guys, you know, international folks. Uh, uh, and so you could easily be like, Hey, we're going to go to this place today. Okay, cool. And we, you talk about that here, we're going to go and hit this tanker at this time. We're going to get this much gas. We're going to be here. We talk to this guy. And then you, you get in country after you do like an hour long transit from the ship. And they're like, eh, that remember that whole thing you guys are going to do. You're not doing that. We need you over here because there's some stuff going on. You're like, oh, okay. Okay, so, so that leads me to my next question. Yeah, be have, flexible. Have you ever had, yeah, be flexible, exactly. <laughs> oh, have yeah, Semper Gumby, man, for sure. Have you ever had a situation where you've left the house for breakfast, come home for dinner, and just couldn't believe like how far away you were in that day? Has that ever kind of been part of your... Yeah, I mean, 
especially when we were in the Tomcat, because it had so much gas and really long leg, you, you could get pretty darn far away from the ship. Uh, how far? How far? Which, could, how far could you get away like from the ship on, in the Tomcat? I mean, we would get. I mean, a normal like if you look at like a Super Hornet, if we're planning cross countries, going you know from here to we're flying to Key West for a debt or something, we can do that on one bag of gas. Uh, you know, usually depending on the winds, you've got to stop once or twice to get across the country. If you're going east to west, west to east, you can probably do it in you know with one stop in the middle of the country. Um, so I mean, you, you can get pretty far, seven, 800 miles on a, on a bag of gas kind of thing. But, and, and these you know, are, these on, are two man or single man operating planes too, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Cause you think about it, it's like, Oh crap, you can't get across the country on, but you're, everyone thinks about the jumbo jets or, you know, 747s, right. right? <laughs> that have an well, abund- that, abundance of gas. You don't think about how small these tanks are. That's an interesting question though. So, so the Tomcat, was that always a two pilot situation? So it's it was a pilot and a Rio, a radar radar intercept officer. Yeah, always. So oh, that's our two person situation. Forgive me. Two, yeah, for sure. Because there, there's stuff in the in the obviously stuff in the front that the guy or gal in the back can't do, uh, and there was a bunch of stuff guy in the back like I couldn't do from the front seat too. And does that hold true with the F-16s and the F-18s as well? So no. So the 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 single seat Hornet or Super Hornet and the the dual seat ones. Pretty much anything the guy in the back can do, I can do in the front too. Obviously, he he, he or she can't fly from the back. Wow, interesting. Um, anything you but, can do, I can do better. <laughs> so, th- so that that's often the um, you know the argument. Uh, if you you know when we were back in in Tomcat days, we rely heavily on our our Rios because there's literally just stuff I can't do right. And then you know our guys in the air wing, single seat Hornet guys, and they're like, oh whatever, you know I don't need a Rio, I can fly by myself and um even when you fly with a now they're called wizzos in the, in the f-18 um when you fly with a really good wizzo like you, you are more capable than just by yourself um well i believe that i mean with technology comes all sorts of needs for nuance uh, understanding two heads are and, better than one you know i remember back at your wedding you were talking about the idea of the f-18 versus the f-14 right the mm. idea of this sort of hot rod old school plane versus this new ultra high tech, lots of AI, lots of onboard computers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember you saying that, that you were finding most new flying being more like a, a voting member than a pilot. And one of the things that always stuck with me was how awe-inspired you were by watching the wings sort of doing what they have to do with the computer adjustments and the flaps and everything and, and sort of feeling like, okay, if something goes wrong, this thing's just gonna kick me out. Right, it's just gonna like, oh, we're wrong. Get out, poof, and off you go to a safe destination for ejection. Do you, do you think that's a um, a bit of a bummer for for pilots not to be able to sort of like or yeah, you know, what's the advantage or disadvantage now to having so much tech with the planes? Because obviously with the Tomcat, like Philip was referring to, you had, in my understanding, a lot more hands-on controlling to do with the with the plane itself. Yeah, so the F-14 was literally like push rods, bell cranks, like cables that connected flight control surfaces for a lot of things. Um, a lot of it's, 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 they're all hydraulically powered as well. Um, but yeah, you, you flew the Tomcat. Um, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm sure we, I, I have said voting member in a number of times. And, and that's, that's really how it is. And, and so the difference between like the F-14 or any other kind of airplane that you really kind of fly versus the F-18 and all the newfangled stuff is 
you know, you, you would put the stick to the left and the left aileron goes up, the right aileron goes down. Not, not true for Tomcat because it didn't have ailerons, but you, you get the idea. Like you did something with the stick or the yoke and something specifically mechanically linked happened in that airplane. And now I put the stick to the left in the F-18 and I'm telling the jet, I want to roll to the left. And it goes, oh, okay. Well, I'm going to give you a little aileron, a little bit of flap, a little bit of this rudder, a little bit of stab here. And it, it figures the best way to give you what it is you've asked for. So that's the whole voting member thing. That's so so it, wild. So like, so like if you were yeah. to crank it left as hard as you can, mm-hmm. right? It just knows, okay, he wants to go as hard as he can left yep. and, and just does it, right? Yeah. And it's going to, in a lot of cases, it's, it's similar to what you would get in a, does it tell you it's no? not fly by wire? Oh yeah. So that's like, no, that that's, to, that's not a smart move. <laughs> yep. hundred percent. And it like, kind of blew my mind the first time you fly the super Hornet and they're like, all right, go ahead and do full cross control, which is like, you, know, you take the stick, you jam it one way, you take the rudder, jam it full the other way. Um, you do that at Tomcat and it's going to get spicy real quick, but you do that <laughs> in a Super Hornet and it goes, no, um, <laughs> we're just going to stay nice and straight and level. And it, it, it's a lot of like, hey, I this cancels that, this out Dave. kind of thing. Yeah. Do you guys have uh, Siri? Right. Do you have Siri in your, in your planes now? <laughs> <laughs> so we, we have bitching Betty, right? You have what? <laughs> We, we have bitching Betty, as uh, we call her. So the, the jet will talk to you, you know, like warning, warning, or caution, caution. Um, and you're like, damn it, Betty, I know. Controls. Just go left. Yeah. Bitching yeah. Betty. I love that. Yeah. Well, it's funny because it's a, she had a very specific voice with kind of like a Southern drawl to it. And she just happened to be a lady who, who worked at, I guess back then it was the McDonnell Douglas plan. And that's who they got to do the voice. And so Has she retired be. some years ago and there Has was like a big thing. Like you say person. like Has Southern, you think in Southern, like Louisiana, like I do declare like, yeah, when I, yeah it's not quite that big, but, but yeah, <laughs> there's, like, there's just definitely like, I'm a little Southern. To it. <laughs> She's going now, Michael, <laughs> right, right, right. I don't think you want to bank as hard as you're trying to make me bank. <laughs> We're just going to pull back. Back a little bit here right, right, and right. pop you out right over the ocean. A wine made with passion and soul is a great way to bring people together. And that's why we choose Alpacion. Alpacion is an award-winning wine produced in the Uco Valley region of Argentina and can be found in fine restaurants and retail establishments all over the world. Taste the passion today or book a trip to their vineyards and experience their exquisite lodge and glamping tents. Learn more at www.alpacion.com. Okay, I'm going to ask a question that I'm sure will get shot down right now because I, I want to know what is the what is the most dangerous move you've had to make and what what is a, a, a mission that you can actually tell us about that you flew? Man, I, there's probably a lot to try to neck it down into one. You have your share of emergencies, you know, flying the, the Tomcat. It, something is probably going to break or not work quite right. Uh, you know, when you go, go in country, um, or pretty much any, any flight. Um, and now that's so, funny. Yeah. I like that. One, that's very telling, right? You fly a time kit, something's going to go wrong. It's, pretty, <laughs> and, it's probably and you a wonder good after 30 years, why they decided to, to upgrade. Right. That's a very oh, yeah, and I mean, the maintenance man hours to, to keep that thing fine is significantly more than it was when we went to the F-18 and Super Hornet for sure. But it was worth it, right? <laughs> um, Is that romantic? I, I mean, did you, yeah, did you ever yeah, totally. give anyone the bird? 
during a mission. <laughs> oh, international relations. <laughs> yeah, you know, only inverted. Yeah, keep, no, yeah. no, no, no. You know, only keep, inverted. Keep, yeah. Keep, yeah. Keeping up, inverted. Keeping yeah. up foreign yeah. relations. You know. Yeah, there, there's a weird jet inter, interlock that won't let you do it unless you're inverted. You know? <laughs> and then, and then the you rule. have to immediately come home. No, yeah, I was you there, man. It was, it, was really, it was really great. It was really great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and, then, and then you immediately come home and you you go to the beach volleyball court and you play in jeans and dog tags. Of course. Right? Oh, yeah, like yeah. They, Just butt naked. That's the requirement. Yeah, 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 yeah. Unless, unless you're slider. Unless you're slider, you got your whitey tidies, you know, <laughs> that pop up. Yeah, yeah. So What's the hardest thing about being a naval pilot? All these Russian pilots keep trying to invert with us. So they can flick us yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so one of the more memorable ones, and it, it's really, it's not all that dangerous by any means, but um, was one of the first flights, maybe the first flight I did in my fleet squadron. So we're in the Tomcat, we're out there, the weather's pretty crappy. It's socked in from, you know, a couple thousand feet all the way up to 30,000. So my Rio is a senior guy. Um, and he's like, hey, let's, there's a pretty good tailwind. Let, let's just go up and see if we can get a thousand knots of ground speed. Um, it, it, you know, all right, cool. Let's check it out. So we go and we we have this massive amount of airspace to deal with, and we put the wind right at our our tail, and and off we go. And so we're doing like 1.6 Mach, and we we get over a thousand knots of actually coverage of ground speed, like so speed over the ground. And uh, right about that time, that you know, the guy in the back, and he's like, he's like, yeah, man, if anything goes wrong at this speed, we are going to be two blobs of like pink mist. And I was like, ah, yeah, have a laugh, whatever. And then. Boom, flashing red light. And it was like, oh, dear God. Like, immediately pull the jet out of blower and you get thrown in. Your, and it was just a nose wheel uh, gear doors that they were, because we were going so fast, we'd actually started to suck them open um, because of the way the airflow was around the, the chin pod. But, Jeez. you know, I mean, you get some experienced guy like, oh, yeah, if anything goes wrong, we're, we're going to die. <laughs> you know, like the, the selfie guy in the back. And you're like, oh, my God. Knock on, knock uh, on plane. Okay, I, yeah. I do, I do want to ask, though. When you come when you come home and you're hanging out and you're off the ship, you're not flying. You're let's just say you know driving. Grumpy. Yeah, you're just being you. What are you doing in your in your downtime? And is it does it feel weird to drive a car <laughs> when you're when you're at home? No, I mean if you've been on a deployment for yeah six or seven months, then you get back and you get to start driving cars again. You're like, oh wow, yeah, I haven't done this in a while. There's the you're like there's a little bit of like move it yeah yeah <laughs> um but as far as like if i go you know go to the squadron and i go for a flight and i come home and i drive home like it's not that's just I, I hate to say it but as you get more into your career you spend more time doing this then there are parts of it that it's just kind of a job like i go to work and i do this thing and um you know if i'm not on the flight schedule and i'm you know i, I do something a little bit different nowadays just because I'm long in the tooth and getting ready to retire, but, um, you know, squadron days, you'd show up and if you weren't on the flight schedule, there's probably something, you know, you're, you're reading the top gun manual and you're, you're brushing up on tactics. You're helping, you know, do stuff on the computer for, you know, the loads that we, we throw in the jet, like, uh, so there's plenty of stuff to be done. So you, um, you have stuff always to be done, but when you have time mm -hmm. for you, what, what is, I mean, cause you mentioned earlier, you're into music and stuff like that. Do you still play? I mean, are, do you, are you a live concert type of guy type of thing when you have time or? So we, so we, there's a work hard, play hard mantra, especially in squadron life. So if we are not at the squadron doing something, we're probably somewhere having a, a big party. Like every Friday, Saturday night, we're at some person's house or we're out of the bars. And um, I, I think we surprised, and I feel you could probably you know, set me straight on this or not, but 
we surprise a lot of my family, friends, and relatives because my squadron is there at my house. We did a rehearsal dinner uh, before our wedding. And I mean, we're doing a normal drink like a naval aviator kind of thing. And uh, a lot of the family and friends were kind of like, oh, shit, you guys are serious. Oh, like, yeah. This really uh, happens. <laughs> yeah. That's that's where I was proud because I'm like, I can hang. I can. <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I remember meeting up with some of my college buddies, and they were like, yeah, I just, I don't drink like I, I used to. And not that I'm trying to, like, you know. Of course. Make uh, glamorized drinking and whatnot, because now I can't hang. Um, no, no, no. We don't. But, we don't do but that. Back on this day, show at all. Right? <laughs> but back in the day, you know, my you know my buddies from college, like, yeah, I don't drink like I used to, and I was like, yeah, I drink way more. We party <laughs> way harder now. And they were like, what? You know. Uh, oh, you're like, well, I was over so the funny. Middle East about two months ago. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think I've yeah, earned, yeah. earned a few nights. To- I, I love hearing that you guys do uh, kick back a lot and stuff, and 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 then that's great. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't get a chance to to throw a couple of Top Gun references at you <laughs> oh, here because we go. I, I really I really got to because you are a current Top Gun instructor. Is that fair to say, or you so are I, or a Top Gun instructor? So I went through the Top Gun course and graduated and became what we call a Strike Fighter Tactics instructor in SFTI. Um, and then fighting. I, 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 I stayed in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's still it's still called the Navy Fighter Weapon School. Um, I mean, I, I know all... you have the the real name for it, but that, that mm-hmm. in my head, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, it's it was it was plenty of that. It's a lot of aerial combat, but but there's a lot more built into Top Gun now. Uh, and the biggest thing there is teaching you how to be a good instructor. I mean, you have to have excellence in your execution. Um, but it's how do you break down the debrief to figure out exactly what went wrong and how to teach those guys to get better in the jet so we can make all of us better uh, moving forward. So that's why every Top Gun flight is a four-hour debrief evolution afterwards. Uh, Holy cow. Which can be wow. painful. Wow, I didn't realize. But yeah. It's, oh, yeah, we, we get in it. Um, but uh, so I went through Top Gun. We, you know, I went through myself and a, and a Wizzo, and uh, we, we graduated the class, and then uh, – I stayed on in Fallon, Nevada, which is where Top Gun is now. It's no longer in Miramar, California. Um, and I, I just went to a, a, a different section called Strike where we taught uh, or ran the air wing training side of things. So when you put uh, Top Gun's kind of like uh, two to four plane tactic execution, like building block, like the, the basic of execution. And then we would deal with like, what do you do when you put the whole air wing together to execute like a 25 plane strike? Okay. Okay. Well, so that, that's what I did. Tremendous amount of pride in that. Yeah. That, that's, you're out there. Yeah. First of all, congratulations. And, indeed. I mean, that, that's, <laughs> that's a, I mean, th- that doesn't sound like it. Just anybody can walk in and do that. No. And, and actually, not only congratulations, but we have not done this yet on the show. And I apologize. Thank you very, very much for your service entirely. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Not absolutely. only to be on the show, but everything you've done is, is just awe-inspiring um and, and, and i'll be on the much. first uh first flight out to if i can get catch a ride with you so right, right. <laughs> the low low price of <laughs> right right yeah. um but but that's Thanks, gotta be, i appreciate that that's got to be huge pride right you're out there you're out there learning in top gun you graduate and the two of you go on to do these instructionals you really are giving a little more than you than you took right to the best and the brightest that are now flying that's got to be awesome it's um so so Top Gun was amazing like the, the most intense flying and it, in you know I, I remember joking with my uh, Wizzo when we were taking off on the, the grad hop there being like yeah dude we're we're probably never going to be this tactically sound proficient uh, 
uh, again in the rest of our career. Some guys are, they get even better. Uh, for me, I, I didn't, it was all downhill from there. Um, but, uh, but <laughs> no, yeah, know top, your strengths. You got to know your strengths. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, Top Gun was definitely, it, it is, it is a sense of pride as far as things that I have accomplished in my career. That's for sure. You know, at the top. Well, okay. Speaking of that, I, I know you know the movie. First of all, are, are you excited about the new Top Gun movie coming out? Yeah. I, mean, I, I just want to hear this from some... somebody from Top Gun if they're interested or excited. Like, have, yeah, you, have you seen any of the trailers or previews? Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> but, like, uh, like you know, I'm most excited about the, the fact that there may be a Tomcat in, in the movie at some point. Really? Um, well, we, if you see that, I mean, not a real one. It'll be CGI, but it's in the trailers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it'll be cool. I mean, man, we, you know, the original movie was great as far as like being exposed to seeing some of that flying. I mean, how we actually do it is not quite how it's depicted in the movies, but, no. but now we're yeah, no kidding. Right. It's, <laughs> no. Well, it would be a lot more boring because we're so much further away from each other. Dogfighting is so what you see in Top Gun, the, the movie, the original one, that's not dogfighting. That, that's flying formation with each other. We, we do that every day, but the, the camera technology, the ability, you know, to put dudes in an actual jet and, and film it to a much greater degree is, is going to be cool. Uh, I mean, just like, you know, the, the video you guys saw, the cruise video that we made when we were on deployment, cruise videos guys are doing now with the advancements in GoPros and the 360 degree mounts. Like oh, all the you craziness. saw some, some insane maneuvers, yeah. like from the, from the, like the plane next door, <laughs> like basically Indeed. you're like flying and, next to them. And now that, that capability is, is so much better. Uh, so the, the, the videos are way better than what we did back in 04, you know? All right. Oh, hold on. Before we get, before we get towards the end here. I just want to see how much you remember of the Top Gun movie. I'm going to give you a couple quotes here, Mike, and I just want you to throw out who said it. You can, <laughs> whether it's character name or actual actor, we'll take either. I, I'm just kind of curious. All right. So the first quote, that was some of the best flying I've seen to date, right up into the part where you got killed. Oh, God. <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, oh, the first one. I didn't think I was going to Jester, sorry. Jester. Yes, you're right. There, there you go. go. Yeah, Jester. <laughs> That's right. Very good. Well recovered. Jester. Very good. Yes. Uh, he adjusted well. <laughs> adjusted yeah, well. Yeah, he landed. <laughs> oh, all right, here you go. This one, you should know this one. Remember, boys, no points for second place. Uh, Slider says that, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Slider absolutely so, says that. So you want a, a really funny story. So uh, the first female to go through... Top Gun, uh, Spike Maleka, fantastic individual. She actually, so the very first break, so you, you show up Top Gun, they introduce the whole staff, you know, and you start your lectures, right? So the first break, they come, you know, they go out, people go to the head and they come back and Spike walks in and she's like, I don't know what they're talking about, guys. There's no plaque in there. Right. <laughs> that's great i love that yeah. well, well yeah, we won't do awesome. the we won't do the plaque for See, the alternate all of y'all you're obsessed <laughs> with the movie you're actual fighter pilots you all know it uh we so won't the, we won't when say i went that through one. it was called the movie and it was a five dollar fine to quote it uh, really <laughs> mm -hmm. oh i like it take me to bed or lose me forever <laughs> show me the way home honey uh, <laughs> oh. yeah Oh, he knows it. He knows it. <laughs> I don't think you're going to stump him with these. No, I'm I don't know. Saying. Okay, so Charlie says that. So I've been one. I've been drinking Night Train in that bar, uh, which oh, yeah? is in San Diego. Oh yeah. wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, Kansas City Barbecue is what it's actually called. Yeah, they make it look like it's right on an airfield, but it's actually downtown San Diego, right next to the ball field. 
Well, it's a short motorcycle ride away. You know, right, 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 right. Whatever he's on, like Kawasaki Ninja or whatever the hell he's riding. On the runway yeah, uh, yeah, next yeah. to the Tomcat. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, like you do. Yeah. You know. <laughs> right, of course. You know. All the time. Yeah. Okay. I, the guy owed him a favor. You I, know? Right, right. <laughs> I got two more, two more. All right. You can be my wingman anytime. Bullshit. You can be mine. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's, that's Iceman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love how it comes back with the other side of the quote. <laughs> that is, that's Iceman. Val Kummer says that. And of course, yeah. the, we, would, we, we can't get out of here without saying, I feel the need, the need <laughs> for speed. Of course. And, and by the way, at Mike's wedding, there were multiple, there were multiple <laughs> pass by, down low. Hi. You High know fives, what? Low I, fives. Yeah. It was, okay. It was, uh, it was something to see. Mike, you're. Oh, gonna, yeah. Probably a lot of talking with hands, too. There was uh, yeah, tables. You're oh, going to yeah. laugh at me, though. There was, I just did this show, and there was a part in the show where we're supposed to high five, and the guy who was playing uh, the other character in the, I was doing a musical, and he was singing this song, and I said, like, oh, let's high five. I'm like, oh, yeah, let's top gun it. And he didn't know what that was. <laughs> He's like, huh? Uh, you know, you know the top, oh, the, the, the high low. You know, you're like your assignment tonight is to go home. <laughs> but he was he, I mean, again. He's like ten years younger than me. There's so, no I mean, excuse. And, there is no excuse. <laughs> so, I mean, well, this is why they're doing part two, right? Because the Navy needs a new recruital movie. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's right. Mike, one more question for you before we let you go. Um, I'm, I'm quite curious. How old are your kids now? Uh, nine and six. Nine and six. And is it nonstop questions about? what you do or they, or just do they completely don't care? Like they don't care. They have their own life. Yeah. They, it's cause it's just kind of the thing that, that dad does. Um, you know, like it's, it, and I've taken, so both of them have been out, um, and have seen me, you know, come whizzing by and land and get out of the jet. Uh, my oldest actually, um, we were getting ready to go, uh, to the ship for a, like a 30 day exercise. And so I was practicing landing and he was, uh, we, they grade every one of our landings, right? So there's a landing signal officer in LSO who grades every single landing that you have. And so we're out there practicing and he's grading my landings and my oldest is in the booth with him. Um, so I come around and I call the ball differently than how it is in the movie, the actual way that we do it. And the voice coming back on the mic was my oldest saying Roger Ball, which was super cool. <laughs> oh, that's so uh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was it was really that. cool to be able to get to do that with him. Man, that must have felt so good. That is so oh, yeah. cool. Oh man! Have you had them up in a small craft, like and do a little uh, single prop? And I have not yet been permitted to do that. Oh. Um, but but they want to go. Um, so hey, yeah, we'll we'll get up there at, at some point, and uh, I'll take well, maybe fly. after we should... maybe after this episode, your, your wife right. will uh, hear it and let them <laughs> right, let right. them go up. So she's been flying. I took her flying. Cool. Oh wow! Did she, she like she, and she like it a lot? Eh, not a lot. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, not much. Just just, uh, just enough to be like, this is a pretty view, and all right, now let's land. So well. she actually got a chance to uh, to come out on the ship. Uh, oh wow! We did. It's called the Friends and Family Day thing. So we hop on the ship at you know four or five in the morning, and then it pulled out you know fifty hundred miles from the coast, and then there's like an air show, and so oh, she's like actually really been... on the ship. Wow! Oh yeah. So she's been standing on the flight deck watching guys actually cat and and trap uh, at the ship. Uh, oh, that's an experience. Wow. It must be. Yeah, that's really cool yeah. for a civilian. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, you know, neighbors don't knock would love to do that. <laughs> we'll yeah. do. A, we'll do a podcast. We'll have everybody. We'll we'll bring all the guys on. Right, right. You know, it, it, it's it's funny. It's funny, Mike. That you're a pilot. I have a friend who is in the Navy, and he served on a carrier. 
and uh, he gets so mad on social media every time they see like a promotional video or a little social media clip or whatever. He goes, yeah, you know what I don't see? I don't see a mop. I don't see a broom. I don't see a clipboard. <laughs> Who's peeling those potatoes? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like, this is not what it looked like for me on those ships. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, when you see other things in, in movies or TV shows, the the passageways on the ship are enormous and there's no knee knockers, right? We call them like, it's actually the, the thing that comes up that would stop water from yeah, transiting yeah. from one compartment to another, which they're a huge pain in the ass. Everybody's banging their shins on them. My boots have all these horrible divots in them from those. Um, yeah, just walking around the ship sucks. Um, yeah, but on a movie, it's like nice and flat floors. It's shiny. It's super clean. It's not dingy and dirty and <laughs> yeah, smells let, let, and hot and all exactly. that stuff. Let, let's keep in mind, this is the movie we're talking about where you see Denzel Washington uh, submarine doing laps. Right, right, right. 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 Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, not happening. Hollywood doesn't get these things quite accurate. Yeah, no, yeah not quite right. Well, Mike, thank you so much. Yeah, man. we can't. Uh, we can't thank you enough. One for your service and for taking time to come on to the show, man. We really, yeah, it was really fun. appreciate it, dude. We could talk for hours. We could. We could be yeah. going, and and definitely, we'd love to have you back on. Uh, you know, part two. We'd even love to. We'll talk about maybe even getting you on next door with NDK. We can get a little bit more in depth, maybe. Indeed, I have unanswered UFO questions. Yeah, mm. we didn't even, we'd even get mm. to oh, the yes. UFO stuff. We're just we're just out of time. We're we just out, out of time. <laughs> That's right. But for those of you guys that are listening, you can catch a new episode of Neighbors Don't Knock. We have our season three just kicked off, so we're going to have new episodes every Friday. Make sure to comment, like, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Indeed, it's exciting. And Mike, if you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and put up whatever links you give us for recruitment for the Navy. And anybody interested in becoming a pilot, I'd love to have that in the episode description. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. That'd be great. Awesome. Well, we'll catch you guys next week. Peace out.